Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Okay, Annie, I really wanted to ask you this on the last episode and I forgot and was uh-huh. really excited about the movies because, you know, we were talking about all the legends. But have you ever gone on any of the ghost tours that are offered and or have you gone on your own adventure in an area where there's supposed to be a folklore or a legend or a haunt uh, on your own? Yes. Yes to all. <laughs> yes to all. Yes. As someone who likes horror, I have done a lot of ghost tours um, like Savannah and Louisiana are coming to mind because those are kind of big, right. you know, lots of ghost stories and lore around those areas. I've done that. I think I did some when I was in Europe and one when I was in a cave system in Europe, and that's probably the most afraid I've ever been, but I think it had more to do with the caves and less to do right, with the ghost that's story. <laughs> that's fair. And then, like I said, I I do like scary things, so I have I have a friend... Katie, who's been on the show, and she also likes scary things, and I think we build each other up. Like, yeah. I think sometimes where nothing is happening, we both convince each other something is happening. Right, right. So we're convinced we've seen a ghost, even though I'm like not even sure I believe ghosts are real. Right. But I, like it, when I was a kid, we convinced each other we'd seen this ghost. We went like we convinced ourselves there's all kinds of haunted stuff in our woods, and we would go and investigate and pick up clues and find like a turtle with blood on it, ghost, like things like that. Turtle with blood. Oh, the turtle shell had blood on it. I still have it. Freaked me out. And then we found a mailbox that was buried and it just had these business cards that said, do as I say and not as I do. And I was like, this is a murderer. Um, (laughs) Things like that. And then I definitely, there were some urban legends around where I grew up. And one, most of them just involved like don't go into Dawsonville Forest at night. But there was one where you would go, probably a lot of people have heard this because I think like any town that has the right hill for this has tried it, but it was like you would go and park on this hill and put yourself in neutral and it would pull you upward or something. And there's a scientific reason for why that works. No. Um, but of course, there's also like ghost stories around right. why it works. So I right. did that once and it, I mean, it was pretty weird, but right, didn't really scare me. I was just like, oh, Yeah, cool. <laughs> so I don't typically do like the Savannah tours where they just carry, you know, you ride in the horse cart and they'll tell you about buildings. I didn't mm-hmm. do that. I, have I done those? No, I, I've never done those. Because I'm like, eh, it's just getting on a horse and looking at buildings, which is mm-hmm. nice. But I'm like, that's not a thing I want. Because mm-hmm. I, for the longest time, devoured every episode of Ghost Hunter. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I would watch all those. And it was hilarious because, like, every time anything scary happened, there was nothing. You could barely see anything. And I was like, mm-hmm. they were like, and I'm like, wait, this is what you're supposed to look at. I don't understand. Right. The investigation part is you staying. Uh, right. <laughs> so I, I really was like, I, I can do this. Let me do this. <laughs> and then like there was another one. I can't remember the name of the show. I loved him. And he would actually travel around the world, but it would just be like finding myths. So if they would do, uh, you know, the whole finding of the Yeti in yeah. the forest in China. I know he visited the suicide forest in Japan oh, for a while mm-hmm. and like did those things. It's super eerie things. But of course, the night vision stuff made yeah. it even eerier. You still right. couldn't see shit. So I was like, why Why am I watching this? But you know, that intensity. So mm-hmm. I was bound and determined. I'm like, I, I want to go to these things. Mm-hmm. So for my birthday, two of my good friends decided to purchase a ghost tour, essentially a ghost walk, which happened at night near Halloween because it was near my birthday. So during the October, September time and 
is in Roswell, Georgia. So Mm -hmm. for those of you who do not know the area very well, uh, Roswell, Georgia is one of the small mill towns that actually never burned down during the Civil War. When Sherman marched through, it was salvaged. So the mills still exist and the older buildings still exist. So a lot more history there than pretty much all of Georgia because it was burned down, sadly (laughs) enough. Don't get me wrong, it happened. It had to happen. But (laughs) all of those to say... We don't have a lot of historical things, and the mills of Roswell remains. So, of course, we get a good amount of tales come from that area, which I love. Uh, So we did a whole tour, and I don't know, I don't think this woman was an actress. Like, she was definitely just, like, dry talking about whatever's happening. So she was a historian, but she was also very into the ghost world. So she would take us on in the middle of the night, not middle of the night, I guess like eight. 8 p.m., 7, 7, 8 p.m., when it was super dark, got her flashlights. We had to have our flashlights. And we yeah. toured around Roswell. And at one point, like, we went by the mills, and she told the story of a young boy running out the door, and her and her crew witnessed it. And, of course, all of these different tales. Yeah. And then at one point, we were at a, I want to say it's a, some kind of antique store. So it was preserved, and yeah. now antiques are there, and you can see them in the building. And as she's pointing her flashlight up, which is a gigantic flashlight. It starts flickering and doing Ooh. the flashing. And it like she kept hitting it. And she genuinely seemed annoyed. But uh-huh. she wasn't like associating as it's a ghost or anything. She just did this to the point mm-hmm. that my friend and I looked at each other and started backing away <laughs> and looking uh-huh. up at the windows because she was talking about seeing an old man in the window, whatever, whatnot. And she was like, Well, I guess I'm gonna need new batteries. And then we talked for a minute and then walked away and the and the flashlight started working again to the point that someone was coming up, walking up on us, and she thought she knew them. So she flashed, she pointed the flashlight at him and teasing at him, and it turned out to be a cop, and he got very angry and yelled oh at her. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the other scary part of the tour, like, oh, yeah. our, our person's about to be arrested. <laughs> but like, she did all of that. So for a few minutes, I was like, did we? What were, you, were we about to encounter a ghost? Or was mm-hmm. she just like an actress? I don't know. I don't know. So I did Uh, that one. And then there was a whole legend that happens at the University of Georgia. Of course, you know you have to have tons of legends at your schools. And it's always someone who died by suicide was not found for days later. Yeah, and they Georgia haunt that Tech place. had one like that yes, too. Yes, I know they did because we did a comparison. But there was one because at one point in time there was a building and I never understood this. And then when I see anything like this anywhere, because I've seen a couple, I get really freaked out. There mm-hmm. was a stairwell that just went to a wall. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of it. And everybody's like, what is this? And the, so the story was told that it used to be a dormitory. An exchange student was there. He had hanged himself, and because everybody was on vacation, no one saw him. But, it, of course, his corpse smelled up the place, so they couldn't do anything about it, so they just sealed it off. Uh-huh. And that's the legend of Oof. that. Because no one can find the entrance. And no, and I've been there, because we were like, what is this? And mm-hmm. so, of course, we had that, and then we yeah. would try to find the spirit there. I never yeah. did find that spirit, though. <laughs> Good? <laughs> I know. I guess so. <laughs> that reminds me of when we did our episode on the Winchester house. That's, that feels very like right? door to nowhere. Mm-hmm. But we were all like, why does this exist? What is this? Mm, who knows? <laughs> it's probably something very simple. <laughs> probably. Yes. I mean, to be honest, they're like, it's this. And it was cheaper to do this because it's damaged. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Yeah. Fine. 
ruin our ghost stories. <laughs> I did go to, I went to the Stanley Hotel, which is what The Shining's based on. Right. Oh. I went during July because it's only open, it, just like in the movie, the snow gets so bad, you can only get right. there in July, I think. Um, and it was really, really funny because we did a tour of it and the very kind tour woman went out of her way to just be like, there are no mean ghosts here. Only nice ghost. I don't know what Stephen King, I don't know what happened to him that night. I think he was just stressed, <laughs> but they're only nice ghosts. They just are children. They like candy. You just, I don't know. And it was so <laughs> funny because they kept, and I get why, because right, they, right. they were like, we want you to have a good experience. Please stay. Don't be scared. But they have to know that like everyone there though. Right. That's exactly there, what. Right. The shining and it's like one person is like, what hotel is this? And people like, there's the attic some part of the movie is based on it and it has red like just people keep writing red rum on it and she was so oh, annoyed no. she was like it's it's not like that at all and I was like oh stop be smarter than our ghosts it was very very cute honestly <laughs> <laughs> all right so all of that is a lead in to our part two on women in urban legends from all around the world if you haven't listened to part one go check that one out and just a really brief repeat of our disclaimer, uh, there will be some gruesomeness. We've already touched on some, so apologies. Nothing too in-depth, though. And also, as we said in the last one, uh, we tried to get the best sources we could, but these are urban legends. So by nature, it's hard to find, like, proof. Right. And in fact, it purposely almost doesn't exist because they're an urban legend. It's just a story people repeat over and over, usually because of some morality tale or some lesson some anxietal fear that we're having. Is anxietal a word? I just made it one. Um, it in is our, In our society. So, you know, that being said, all of these are just, I mean, mostly they're just stories that we tell and they do like scare us and that's fun. But, you know, <laughs> not yes. a lot of facts yeah. in here. <laughs> not too many facts, no. Yes. Um, and also we've done a bunch of past episodes related to a lot of the stuff we're talking about. We shouted those out in part one. If you want to listen to more and you haven't heard those, go check them out because we we love these kinds of things and we've talked about it a lot. So, mm-hmm. all right. So I actually, this one is an interesting one, um, but I wanted to include it because one of my favorite things about urban legends and we talked about in the last episode it, are these like rules or things you can do to protect yourself or bring favor or whatever it is. I don't know why, but there's something about that that I find really interesting, especially as we've said, I don't believe in them. Right. But I still don't want to mess with it. Right. <laughs> so I just find that it's such an interesting piece of human nature. So we're talking about the mistress of Copper Mountain. And I did have a lot of trouble hunting down info in English for this one, even though there are some fairy tales that you can find in Russian. But I did want to include it because it has a lot of contradictions and superstitions around it. The mistress of the Copper Mountain, also known as the Malachite Maid, or also a lot of times referred to as the ancestor or parallel of the Aesop girl, is a mountain spirit frequently associated with the Ural Mountains. The Copper Mountain is the oldest mine in the Ural Mountains, and this mistress is both beautiful protector and demonic punisher. <laughs> yes. Yes. In Slavic mythology, she is described as an extremely attractive young woman with green eyes, a lizard crown, and a malachite dress. 
Jewels and lizards feature very often in her story. In some versions, she's got like an army of lizards that does her bidding. Lizards? What is with those lizards? I know. People. Three-headed lizard? Apparently that's a thing, huh? It is. I can't wait till you watch Silent Hill. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this this mistress is viewed as something like a saint for male miners and a protector of mountain treasures, treasures she may allow the mining of or not, depending on a lot of moral judgments she'll make. The mistress did not allow for other women in her domain. Men who longed for her patronage were not to marry. She appreciated kindness, goodness, and skilled craftsmanship and would reward all of those things. But on the other hand, she punished those that did not adhere to her rules and were unkind, and she would punish them with either loss of luck or wealth or even death. Even death. Children were told that making any loud noise near the mountains would incur the mistress's wrath because she didn't like loud noises, which I find funny. Right. Because that's another contradiction because I feel like mining can get quite loud. I could right. be wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. She, quote, brings woe for a bad man. Which, yeah, we talked about that's a recurring theme in a lot of these. I'm not mad about it. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. In 1936, Pavel Bazov first published The Malachite Box, which was a series of fairy tales, and one of them featured The Mistress of the Copper Mountain, a tale Bazov had grown up hearing. He went on to include her in several other stories, and he claimed that her story was a sign that miners just missed women <laughs> and that she represented wealth and beauty many men sought after in a partner. There's also an interesting essay because there's been some research done on this legend. A lot of it went over my head because I'm not familiar, super familiar with Russian culture, but there's been some research that she, she represented like Western beauty specifically, hmm. which was interesting. The Earl Mountains do have a long history of being central to that region's industry, whether it was the mining of jewels or later materials for the military. And it makes sense that this story really took off, that it took root and solidified itself in the national psyche, that men working in the mines would hold on to this idea of a beautiful woman who would keep them safe if they were good and punish the bad which I'm assuming you would never think was you. <laughs> well. Mining was dangerous. Many miners died due to the conditions. Some have even speculated that workers saw her as a defender for their rights, even in like the USSR and times like that. Um, some think she is an embodiment of Christian values. Others think that she has undeniably pagan roots. According to a paper written by Mark Lipovetsky, she represents three Freudian ideas. Death drive, because that's where she lives, sex drive, men's desire for her, and castration anxiety, or loss of power. So again, there's just a lot going on in this one kind of seemingly simple story, but there are reasons these stories are created and get told over and over and over again. Right. That's interesting. I like it, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it was a really fascinating read, and it made me want to look more into the whole history of uh, these mountains. And I was like, this is a different podcast. You've got to stop right. here. But I was looking at like old mining charts. <laughs> of course you did. Of mm -hmm. course you did.
So we're going to talk about La Dame Blanche. Y'all, I'm struggling with the French and I really want to make it Spanish. So I apologize <laughs> beforehand. Um, and she is also known as the woman in white. And yes, there are several variations, as we've already talked about, of this lore. And it exists throughout different cultures. But for right now, we're talking about the French lady. And actually within French culture, there are several versions of the woman in white as well. But there is a differentiation between woman in white and Les Dames Blanches. But as with those folklores and legends, uh, there are a lot of crossovers and variations. So apologies in advance if you think that we have messed it all up. But this is what we saw. So this is what we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. But for this one, the Dame Blanche are typically seen on bridges or by bodies of waters. And then there are some versions that also say they reside by caves, caverns, or ravines. So good to know that too. <laughs> um, and they are dressed all in white and is in these locations, uh, much like our fairy vampires that we mentioned before, they also love to dance. Oh. Dancing is a big portion to this. But in this instance, it isn't a way to put you in a trance. But if you refuse her or you try to stop before she wants to stop, she's going to throw you into the water and drown you or have an animal come in and assist her to make them eat you. Oh. Okay. Okay. okay, so just, just dance. Yes, it'll be okay. <laughs> You're just going to need to dance. But where oh. did they come from? Well, yes, this is a great question because unlike many of the other legends, we don't have much of a backstory for the Dame Blanche. They don't really have a really origin. Um, we don't know if she was spurned by a lover or if she was locked away from attending a ball because this is what I'm imagining since she loves to dance. It's true. And unlike the other lady in white stories in France, which apparently typically has the tragedy of an unfaithful husband and the death of their children, which causes her to lash out against other men and children, which is what this lady in white does. In France, they, she goes after and may cause an accident or some something for them to get hurt or die. We don't have that same backstory for this specific folklore. And they typically don't have a preference in gender and just likes dancing. And according to one side, it's complicated dancing. So I don't know oh, if it's like, no. like you need to know ballroom dance right. or salsa. I don't think you can break out with an 80s uh, mm. Roger Rabbit dance. I would be great at that though. But <laughs> And you have to keep going until she is satisfied. And one of the best known doms is La Dame de Prigny, who actually, y'all, my French is bad. I just <laughs> said y'all. So I feel like that's a reference to how bad it is. <laughs> who actually likes to haunt streets and not necessarily bridges. And according to one guide about ghost travels, and I want to go to this, by the way, it states that, quote, she has no backstory and no history, but somehow a legend began of her appearing on what is present-day Rue Saint-Quentin Bayou in the northwest of France, and that allegedly she would greet those who would attempt to pass through the narrow ravine with an extended hand, and if accepted, she would dance several rounds of the most elaborate dances, keeping the human for extensive periods of time before eventually letting her partner go. If it refused, however, she would pounce onto her victim before throwing him or her into the ditch filled with briars and thorns. Ah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very interesting kind of legend with no real backstory other than they are the beautiful version of a troll at a bridge, I guess. Yeah. And instead of answering the riddles three, you have to dance. 
elaborate mm-hmm. dances. So I guess we're going to have to figure some of those things out. So also, while we're talking about women in specific colors, uh, we can talk a little bit about the Lady in Red, just for funsies. Um, yes, there are those legends with the Lady in Red. And I believe we mentioned her in our episode in The Power of Red, like just kind of the whole uh, stereotype and what it often mm-hmm. is in legends. Except... There's a version, and it's just the typical version. There's no real, like, area that they haunt necessarily. But if you go, there's lists on lists on lists. And there's a lot in the U.S. that I've noticed mm-hmm. um, that there are either a jilted lover or a prostitute who was killed in a fit of passion or sometimes mm-hmm. just a vain woman in red, which we've heard that concept of, like, oh, she looks, she's looking at herself, the red lipstick type of thing. Right. And then when she appears, she's either dressed all in scarlet or in a blood red dress, or she's covered in blood sometimes. Mm-hmm. And she that's what makes it red, right? And it's right. typically the ghost who appears throughout different cultures, but not necessarily do anything malicious. Like, there have never been any real tales of them doing anything harmful, but yeah. just likes to haunt specific places, like, again, hotels and theaters. Yeah. Yeah, I looked into that one, and I looked into the lady in white based on, because that's the first episode of Supernatural, right, is lady in white. Yes. Um, woman in white. Yeah, and I what I found basically was a bunch of like very specific, unverified stories about hitchhikers or like seeing them right. on the road, not even necessarily right. hitchhikers, but like seeing them by the side of the road. And that's very common actually in, in a lot of urban legends or just ghost stories. Right. Yeah, so that, that's pretty much all I could find as well. But again, listeners, if you've got like a specific story right. or something you want to add, please let us know. Right. It seems like the lady in red is nicer than the lady in white. So maybe we would rather see the lady in red. Which is interesting. Not so much the lady in white. The lady in white is going to punish you, man. She will make you do some things. <laughs> she's sad and she's going to make you feel, <laughs> feel a certain <laughs> way about it. All right. So I wanted to talk about the Nerifon or Nerifon. Apologies in advance. Um, We did want to cover things from all around the world, but that does mean the pronunciation might not be there. (laughs) And I tried to look up the pronunciation for this, and I could not track it down. And a lot of this story was hard to to track down as well. But I did want to talk about it, because when I was reading about it, it just immediately caught my attention. So the Nerifan are the Makalifan. It's a type of tree in Buddhist mythology that grows fruit-shaped like young women. They sprout from their heads and grow from there. And this tree grows in the mythical forest at the Himafan, where local men cut them off and eat them. The Nerifan also show up in the Vesantarajataka, planted around the place where the Bodhisattva Vesantara meditated. Whew! Sorry again. Try my best. That's a good one. In one version of the tale, the Buddhist god Indra had a home at the edge of the forest with his wife, Vesantara, and their two children. Vesantara couldn't enter the forest without being in danger of horrifying male creatures, or in some versions of the story, just lustful men who had acquired powers by meditating, but were still like lustful men, which I thought was a very funny and terrifying commentary of like, (laughs) men are just monsters in this case. (laughs) Okay, um... So to protect her, Indra planted 12 Nerifan trees that would grow fruit that looked like his wife so that she could be safe while picking fruit. The idea being the monsters, or men, uh, would pick the fruit and take it home thinking it was Vesantara and leaving the real Vesantara alone. But they would take the fruit home, have sex with the fruit, and consequently fall into an enchanted sleep for four months and lose their powers. 
Over the years, there have been a few news stories of the purported discovery of the trees um, that grew fruits shaped like women. You can buy a lot of markets around there, sell, I mean, generally fake, but yeah, you can buy (laughs) buy, kind of like carvings or even fruit. There are a few trees that are rumored to be Nerifon and several hoaxes around that. Uh, Nerifon are very prevalent in Thai culture. Yeah, they appear in comics, sold as gifts, popular amulet and charm. Um, So it's another example of kind of this story that is just really taken heart in in a particular place, which I also find fascinating. Yeah, that's very fascinating. Mm -hmm. Also, this kind of reminds me of with the short stories that we had and the birds were the women. The birds were the women. It was one of the bloody tales. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he turned the women into birds. Yeah. He wanted to keep them. Mm Mm-hmm. I do remember that. That, That's what it reminded me of. Mm -hmm. And for my last one, I decided to... Because, y'all, there's something about Japanese ghost stories that scare the hell out of me. So they, for some reason, like I just recently watched uh, Juan. Uh And it's so old. And in comparison to a lot of the other movies, and the effects are not over the top. But it scared me, like to the point that I was like, I have to watch something else before I can go to bed. Mm -hmm. But I love them so much because they just, to me, are extra uh, eerie. And I don't Mm -hmm. know what it is about how they just make it seem like, (gasps) but because of that, we are returning back to another Japanese ghost or Japanese legend, which is Kushaki Ona or the slit mouth woman. So super specific. Um, Now, the spirit has been around, according to one report, for over 800 years. Like people have been talking about it for a while. I did see another report saying that it was started around the 17th century. So this is an old tale. And uh, she is known as Onryu, I'm trying to figure this out, y'all, or a malicious spirit and is often seen wearing a mask or some type of face covering and is often seen carrying around a sharp object. So it could be a large knife, some say scissors, very long scissors, but she's carrying something sharp. And now her origin story is a cautionary tale for the women to A, not to be vain, and B, don't cheat. So those two things go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this beautiful Kachusaki Ona was married to a samurai and uh, she was known to be very vain, but she was also very beautiful. So both of those things. And one day, because she could, she cheated on her husband at the time. And when he found out, yes, he was very angry and enraged and gave her something that is called the Glasgow Smile. I didn't know there was a name for this because obviously with the things like the uh, Black Dahlia, we knew of this type of crime and it seemed heinous to me at that point in time as well, but okay, Uh, which is when someone causes a scar because they cut into your face that looks like a smile, yes, by cutting from ear to ear. Horrifying. And then he turned around and said to her, who will think you're pretty now? Um, Of course, in another version, it is said that she's cut up by another woman uh, who is jealous of her doing a medical procedure. And she is also, in these legends, sometimes given sharp teeth, which would scare the hell out of me, to be fair. And now she haunts people by asking them the same thing. Do you think I'm pretty while wearing a mask? So if you run into a beautiful Asian woman that says, do you think I'm pretty, that has a face covering, I would run away. (laughs) If they say no, she kills them with this sharp object she is carrying. Um, If they say yes, she'll take her covering off to show her 
a scar and asks again. And if they if they say no, she cuts their face and kills them. If they say yes, she cuts their face to match hers. And I believe they also die. They didn't really say in all those. Okay, now there is a way to avoid being cut. So y'all, we're here to help you if you (laughs) run into this woman. Instead of saying yes or no when she asks you if you think she's pretty, say so-so or average or you're okay, which will give you some time to run away from her as (laughs) she is confused, apparently, from this answer. Yeah, I know. I was like, what? Or you can try to throw some money at her and that can work. Or uh, some hard candies. Apparently, it has to be a specific candy called Bekoame, which is a caramelized sugar candy from Japan. So I guess we need to invest in some things. Or uh, perhaps saying the word pomade three times. And I don't understand why. I try to find this one and there's no reason behind it. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. since pomade is typically a French thing, I was like, okay, whatever, cool. (laughs) And according to Wikipedia, because you know, They have a lot more legends than some. Uh, The first written mention of her didn't appear until 1979. But again, the legend in itself has been around for a while. And according to one telling of this legend, there was a period of time, not too long ago, one said 2007, when uh, children were being escorted in fear of this type of monster because there were records showing deaths of children that were similar to this type of tale, saying that there was a woman roaming around, asking children these, and then following them home and murdering them, essentially. So again, it's not saying that happened, and I don't know if that's true because it was all from this legend site. So, but it did put that in there, and it could be one more of those, again, urban legends when we say my cousin's sister's friends, whatever, (laughs) type of conversation. So doubt that happened, but it did scare them enough that they actually did escort some of the children. Again, so apparently Juan and the Grudge and the Ring were kind of based on these legends. You can see it. You can see the variation. Maybe not of the uh, face and all of that, but like the woman who cheated or who was found to have cheated, all of that. And so the husband murders them in like a brutal way and she comes and murders everybody else Mm -hmm. as well sometimes. So... Yeah, this is kind of that basis. Um, and if you ever see any of the drawings, again, some of the legends, some of the movies, it's pretty scary. Like, it freaks me out for sure. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've heard of this one before and it definitely freaked me out. Oh, all right. Well, for my last one, it's kind of a cheat because I like to cheat here because it's three. (laughs) Oh my God, Annie. But they're related. They're related. (laughs) So, and they're kind of similar to what we talked about with La Llorona in the last one. But all right, we're talking about Pinagal, Lamatsu, and Lamia. And let's start with Lamia. So you've probably heard of this one. It was in... It's been kind of the name has been used for a lot of things nowadays. And it was in like the horror movie Drag Me to Hell, Lamia. But all right, in Greek mythology, Lamia was the beautiful, highly sought after queen of Libya and a mistress of Zeus's. Like a lot of Zeus's mistresses, 
Hera did not like her and punished her by killing or kidnapping her children, except for Scylla, and transforming Lamia into a monster that feeds on children. Or in some versions, Zeus did that. Not only that, absolutely delighted in hunting and terrifying them. So she not only was hunting them, but she like liked it. <laughs> mm-hmm. In some versions, she gouged her eyes at the loss of her children. She gouged her eyes out and essentially lost her mind, leading her to eat the children of others. In some stories, Hera actually has the body of a woman and the tail of a serpent. In many descriptions, she never closes her eyes so she can see the terror of her victims or she was cursed with insomnia essentially or never being able to close her eyes. Um, So yeah, in other versions of the legend, Zeus granted Lamia the power of prophecy and the ability to remove her eyes since she had been cursed to never close them so she would always obsess over the death of her children in an attempt to appease her. Like, I don't know about that, man. I don't think that's enough. (laughs) But anyway, on top of hungering for the blood of children, Lamia also had a voracious sexual appetite and enjoyed sucking the blood of men. She was often painted as a deadly seductress and gave birth to a class of supernatural demons. Her story and fear around it has endured and evolved for thousands of years. The word itself can sometimes, yeah, refer to this whole class of demons and witches. So sometimes it is used for, for other things and creatures these days. But okay, let's, speaking of, let's move on to Lamashtu, or she who erases Ooh. a demon that was often blamed for illness during childbirth and miscarriages. She bore seven names, so she was sometimes called the seven witches, In Mesopotamian times, she was a daughter of one of the greater gods, Anu, and she manifested as a creature with the head of a lioness, with the ears and teeth of a donkey, a hairy body, and clawed bird feet. She was believed to cause all kinds of terrible things, like poisoning of water, tetanus, destroying plants, causing nightmares, and a fever that would not go away. She primarily targeted unborn children, though. She was said to sneak into the homes of pregnant women to touch their stomachs seven times to kill their children. She would kidnap breastfeeding children and kill them by forcing them to drink her own toxic breast milk. She sometimes murdered the mother, too, and feasted on the flesh and blood of men, who may or may not have been the father. They're just men in general, I think. Many wore amulets to ward off Lamashtu, Pazuzu, and yes, that one from The Exorcist, um, the king of evil wind demons, is often depicted driving her back to the netherworld. According to one source I found, and it was a German source from like 1700, so much later, so grain of salt, um, there was even an incantation against the Mashtu. Great is the daughter of heaven who tortures babies. Her hand is a net, her embrace is death. She is cruel, raging, angry, predatory. A runner, a thief, is the daughter of heaven. She touches the bellies of women in labor. She pulls out the pregnant woman's baby. The daughter of heaven is one of the gods. Her brother's with no child of her own. Her head is a lion's head. Her body is a donkey's body. She roars like a lion. She constantly howls like a demon dog. Ooh. (laughs) And lastly, let's touch on the Malay figure of Pinagallan. I couldn't find much on her, but she sounds terrifying, and the drawings that exist of her are terrifying. This is a creature that takes the form of a woman's head with long hair and her intestines and spine trailing behind her as she glides. She, like, removes her head from her body at night, and so it's just her her head and her spine and intestines floating around. A vampiric creature smells like vinegar, 
Some say that penagalon is created when a woman meditates in a vat of vinegar that perhaps a woman was once so deep in meditation that when a man walked in and startled her, she jerked so hard that she decapitated herself. I'm leaving her body in the vinegar and that as a creature, she soaks her organs in vinegar to make it easier to reattach them after returning from hunting. In many of the stories about her, she is the result of women practicing black magic. In some versions, it is a woman who seeks beauty by adhering to a vegetarian diet for 40 days. If she eats meat before that time has passed, she is cursed to forever spend her days as a monstrous creature, eternally hungry for the flesh and blood of pregnant women and children. She might pose as a nanny or a nurse wife during the day, then snatching a child with her invisible tongue through a window or reaching up through the floorboards with her intestines. To keep her away, people would lock windows and doors and board up any entry points like in the floor. Braver folks might try filling her body with glass. Like if you can find the body that she left behind, you fill it with glass so that when she returns to reattach her head and everything, she dies. Um, But yeah, I thought it's just been interesting. As we said, there's just these common themes throughout. And from these stories, there's just so much fear and misunderstanding around illness and pregnancy and miscarriage and childbirth. Which, you know, in ancient times, people didn't know. They didn't know why people were experiencing these things or how they worked. And I'm sure, I mean, it would be terrifying. And these are the stories we told that people came up with. But it's pretty freaky. Yeah. 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 I'm going to have nightmares. But I'm also going to watch more movies. Yes. But, okay, to end it off... I thought we would talk a little bit about Bloody Mary um, and not necessarily the origins. And we will tell a little bit about that because I think people typically know. But everybody has some type of, I feel like this is one of the bigger of the say it in the mirror, see she thing type of thing. Mm-hmm. Did you ever try this? Yes, I think as I said in the last one, I did try it. And so for people, I mean, I'm assuming most people know what we're talking about, but for if you don't, it was like this game you would play. It's been popularized in many movies and TV shows where you would look in the mirror and you would say Bloody Mary either three times or five times, depending on the version you heard. And that if she would show up and it was usually like a dark-haired woman in a white dress covered in blood, And for me, for some reason, like if you did it and you thought it worked, but you weren't sure you were supposed to get in the tub and like say Bloody Mary again. I don't remember, but I got in that tub because I freaked out. (laughs) I regretted it immediately. (laughs) Did you do it? Yes. I just did the mirror version, freaked myself out, could not stand in the bathroom in the dark or anywhere with a mirror for the Mm -hmm. longest time because I freaked myself out for so long. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, it's that whole idea. I know different versions. What was supposed to happen again? I thought she would appear behind you in the mirror and I recall thinking she was going to kill you. So I'm not sure why we were all about this, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, mine was that she would appear and come out of the mirror and kill you. Mm-hmm. Like you were going to die, which is dumb. So why would you try to die? It's, I think it's that fear because I was just yeah. like, I want to be afraid it's of true. it. It's true. Because I didn't really believe it, but it did scare me. Yeah, it scared me. I, I didn't necessarily not believe it, but I didn't like I didn't think too hard into it, but it scared mm-hmm. me to be in the dark 
in a bathroom with the mirror. Because you can also see your own damn reflection a little bit. So Uh that makes it even eerier. But Mm -hmm. just so you know, it does originate to Queen Mary um, and kind of some of the things that played into who she was, what happened with her. Apparently it includes like, she had really bad menstrual pains. Uh, She apparently had thought that she was giving birth to a baby, but never did. Um, Mm. And she had symptoms of... As if she was going to have a child. She also was the daughter of King Henry, who she, you know, he did all, he he beheaded every woman, essentially. And then she was trying to, like, according to this, they said she had daddy issues. Uh, I'm I'm saying this for them. As in, like, she's trying to find affection through other men because Mm. of the loss of love from her father. Of course, the Marian persecution happened underneath her, which uh, involved 240 men, 60 women being sentenced to the stake. And so she became Bloody Mary. So she has a whole history, and that's kind of that origination. But honestly, that connection never made it to me. Yeah. Like, it was so separate from this uh-huh. that it's like, what? But there's different things like, this could be this, and this is why. But she was nicknamed, essentially, Bloody Mary because of all the persecution she did against the Protestants. But there you go. I want to know, have any of y'all done this, uh, any of these things, and not that you've seen it, because I think if you see it, you'd die. But something weird <laughs> happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the power of these stories is amazing because if it's, you know, Bloody Mary's that old, and then I, I think I had a particular, and a lot of people do, it was like, not her at all. It was a woman who had been murdered and was looking for vengeance. And right. just these themes that we see over and over and over again. But yes, listeners, if there's a story that you want to share with us, a legend we missed or anything as we move into October that you want us to talk about, please email us. You can do that at stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Stuff I've Never Told You or on Twitter at Podcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 